Hey, welcome back to Bobblehead Podcast, where Tim and I actually get into the topic today that we were going to discuss on the previous podcast. And it's about a book of uh, that we both listened to uh, recently that really resonated with us, especially as it sits like in personal life and our professional lives. Um, it's called uh, The Accidental Superpower by Peter Zeiger. And uh, we'll be getting into more of that in the podcast. So as always, we're glad you're here. And uh, let's get started. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sadie Hawkins. Okay, so uh, funny thing, Jamie and I's first date, I, she asked me out. But we actually had, this tells you about the school I went to. Um, they had Sadie Hawkins week at my university. Yeah, it was a thing. But it was cool, especially as a freshman guy. Because, you know, man, you're, you're new meat on campus. Yeah. And so it's like anybody that even thought you were halfway cute. So you, it was the one time of the year that you're like, I'll see if I can find a place for you. I'll we're see like, if I can we're like, hey, eyes are up here. I'm eyes doing, are, eyes yeah. are up here. I mean, yeah. it was funny. We're doing like, I was doing three or four dates a day. Okay. It was awesome. Like you would have a, like a donut date. Like you go up and eat donuts in the morning and then you go have lunch and then you have one in the afternoon. We, we had chapel. We go to chapel to have a chapel date. Then you have one at night. That's like what starts like the freshman 15 if you're doing like, like four Dude, or five. you're a freshman, you eat like trash. Oh yeah. Especially if you're going on donut dates. Yeah. They had, uh. Yeah, they had a donut shop not far from campus. That was, yeah. Well, it's an a- Abilene, right? Like, there's not a lot far from anything. Well, you know, it's, everything's heavily organic, and uh, it's paleo. <laughs> heavily organic. And just the the best, purest drinking water that one I'll, could hope for. I'll never forget. We had, um, we had, we had uh, I think we had a friend that had a ski boat. And so we would go, and I, I skied quite a bit. And so we were, they had a ski club. Like, we do competitions with other and so I got into slalom skiing pretty good with the buoys, the whole bit. Yeah. I'll never forget skiing on Lake Fort Phantom. And it was not very deep. And uh, more than once, I got up. I'm like, what is in my hair? Oh, that would be a feminine product. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. In the lake. And it was just, they had trash just floating around. And uh, so that was the end of my skiing career. Huh. Like, I'm out. But all they said, it's not not exactly the... Um, I don't think Abilene's ever won like a clean garden city in the state before. Yeah. You know, I, West Texas is a lot like that. And again, they're, they're, look, they're, there are some if, that are great. I, nobody hears this. Oh, you forgot. You were in, you were in, yeah. You, I was in San Angelo. You lived in San Angelo, yeah, which was it, not far from Same Abilene. kind of thing. Like, you know, there was like Nasworthy or yeah. like, as they called it, like Nasty Water. Yeah. Um, same kind of thing, you know, but, but I also, in fairness, I came from the, like, growing up in Montana, the lakes are completely different. Oh, yeah. I'm like, sure. If it's a, 50 foot lake you see to the bottom of that 50 oh, yeah. foot lake. Oh yeah. And I come here and I'm like it's like swimming in warm pudding. Like this is gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Because the lakes aren't very deep and they're just you know man made and they're dirt it's they're clay, right? Clay or just yeah, they're not sand. Just dirty. Yeah, sand. I forgot you were in San Angelo. Jamie and I actually went on a date down there cuz you know we couldn't dance at our school. Oh yeah. And so we went to San Angelo so too. So you basically grew up in like a real life rendition of Footloose. Well, yeah. I mean, the cool thing was is when we got in our wagons to go to class. You <laughs> in know, the buggy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had my beard and my straw hat. <laughs> but, um, you know, the cool thing is, though, it's 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 you feel equal because everybody's dressed the same. Yeah. You know, it's, like it's all the same. Yeah. Quakers, yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Where was I going with that? I don't know. Good oh, guy. San Angelo. Oh, when, yeah. When there, was, there, was a, there was a dancing honky-tonk place down there. And so we drove, because it's a good, what, hour and a half? Yeah. We drove to San Angelo and had dinner somewhere and went to some country 
bar that had dancing. And we went down there in Graham Central Station. No, we had one of those in Abilene. <laughs> and that in Southern Junction. That, no, that's that's here. Yeah, that's here. I was thinking, yeah, Graham Central Station. We had, yeah. So like, n- no dancing allowed at all, like at Abilene? Or did you like have to like leave room for Jesus between you? Like, was there like a ruler? No, like, no, no, there was none. None at all. In fact, you couldn't even go to those places. Okay. Like they would have people in the administration like watching and watching and go and go in line and pull IDs. You know, I, that's not a bad job. Like I have to go there and drink and act like a local to ensure that our students aren't breaking the code of conduct. I'd have been good at that job. You would have been great at that job. that job. Yeah. So you learn here that, you know, people are going to hear this, but yeah, you learn that these people, these places have back doors and they would welcome students from my university yeah, they, they in the back money. door. They want that money. Absolutely. They did. Yeah. Spends, Absolutely it spends did. the same as, as the, um, as the heathens, as the heathens. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we are heathens. You know that, right? From Heath? Yeah. yeah. That's our, in fact, our lake house, our official lake house name is uh, Heathen's Hideaway. Heathen's Hideaway? Okay. Heathen's Hideaway. I like it. Yeah. I think uh, Jamie told her mom that, and she didn't think it was too cool. No, I can't imagine. But it's okay. She's like, Mom, we're from Heath. It's Heathen. That's what we called it, Heath. That nuance was likely lost. Very much. Okay. Very much. Um, so one of the things that I thought we were supposed to talk about in the last podcast, so if you did listen, you were one of the few people that listened to the last one yeah. and got nothing out of it because we were going to talk about something and we didn't. Um, but I, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a book that you and I both read. Um, and it was the Carlos, our, my financial guy, is the one that kind of told me about it. And I thought it would be really, really interesting. So I, I kind of got into it and I told you about it. And we both wind up reading it and then the subsequent yeah. you know, carry-on book. So I think the book was written in 2014, but the book is called The Accidental Superpower. Yeah, Peter Zeiger, yeah. Peter Zeiger, yeah. And um, so I, would, I thought it'd be kind of fun to kind of talk a little bit about that and what are some of the takeaways we learned from it. And, you know, my so one of the takeaways is, as a listener that that we want to get to is go read the book. Yeah. Right? I think we both really uh, did the audio book. Yeah. So we'd listen to it on the way back. But it's, I mean, it's 14 hours. Mm-hmm something like that audiobook but I, you tell me what you think but it's probably the one of the most intriguing um interesting books i've ever read slash listened to ever like not even close 100 percent, and i think it's because it was written in 2014 yeah and he made a lot of predictions um and had a lot of discussion about certain topics which i'm sure we'll discuss that now we're in 2023 looking back and it's astonishing how many of those he got right. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably why it was so intriguing. Like this, this dude literally made predictions, not predictions, but using, using analytics and data to predict what was going to happen in the future. And it, and it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still happening. And, and people are beginning to talk about some of those things now. And it's fun to have context of why, right? A lot of people like the China stuff and other areas and Ukraine war. And, you know, people are, I think, wow, that came out of nowhere. And we're like, well, actually it didn't. Yeah. It's kind of been going on for a long time. But um, so talk a little bit about Peter and kind of what, what his background is and what he does and, 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 uh, and kind of why did he write the book? I mean, I know he's a demographer, yep. right? Like he's, he's really into this, in, into the study of, of the human element and yeah. in terms of how it drives data. Um, and so, you know, I, I, frankly, I don't know why he wrote the book. I, I, I just know that that's, that's what he was really into. Yeah. That, uh, you, I think he started off the book going, hey, he loved, when he was a kid, he got he was infatuated with, infatuated? Sure. with maps. Ah. And he, he would literally get down and he would 
look at maps and he would redraw maps. Remember when we would redraw maps in school? Mm -hmm. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. I still do, but um, but he would read and he really loved maps and rivers and he was into all that. And so he really got into um, geography of okay. of land and 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 then he got into um, the why. So I think he's a what they call it a um, is it a not political. Gosh, I'm trying to think what the what is the term of of what his studies are. Is it uh, geopolitics? Maybe it's geopolitics. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. But what's crazy is it's geopolitics. But so you think geography and politics don't go together, but they actually do. But you know the idea behind it is is that so much of the behind his book is the success of your society depends greatly on where you live, mm -hmm. right? And so you know I'm not going to spoil the book for you, but accidental superpower is the United States. I mean that's you, you figure that pretty quick in the book. And the idea behind that is, 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 you know, we're so blessed because of where we live and, and, and why, and why that we've tried and tried and tried to screw it up. And because of the things that the, the natural resources we have, where we are as a country in the world, that it's really hard for us to screw it up. Yeah. Right. I think one of the more profound things that he says, and again, we don't want to give too much away, but America, the United States have has more inland navigable waterways than yeah. the rest of the world combined. combined. That yeah. blew me away. Yeah. And so what that did in, in terms of, you know, he, he gives references to other countries and especially, you know, back in the day, they weren't connected because they didn't have the, they, they didn't have the ability. Transit wasn't a thing. And, right. and even, even railways, you know, is geographically limited right. you know, by mountains and deserts and, and right. things like that. And, you know, Germany, there's the Rhine, there's the Dent, there's, there's just not that many rivers to be able to connect the country. Right. right. So even within, within small countries in central and Western Europe, it is a very segmented. And as a, as a nation, we were so fortunate to be able to, have that interconnectivity due to just the inland navigable waterways and and what that does for the growth of a nation and back you know hundreds of years ago as well as today and what that has on future implications for kind of where the world is trending is is a pretty interesting just natural phenomenon that we've just lucked into it really is and you know i never really put it together i never thought about it but you know back in the day before you know just horses and cattle and stuff and so I think they said it was a, was it 10 miles is you had to, everything that you ate had to come from within yep. 10 miles of you because if it, if didn't, it would spoil or it was too hard to get it somewhere. Right. And so you had to basically whatever you, you had around you, whatever would grow in your area. Like if you were in Iowa and you had corn, that's a lot of your, a lot of your meals were corn. Yep. Right. If you had, you know, somewhere that had wheat than wheat or whatever the case it might be. And so, you know, you could, you know, nowadays we just think we have access to anything. We have access to avocados year round. We have access to, you know, fresh fruit year round. And, you know, we don't think about that, but the reality is, you know, we both live in the Dallas area is, you know, oranges will grow here, but not great. Right. Um, you know, grapes will grow, but not great. Avocados pretty much non-existent. So, you think about how transportation affects, you know, the the food we eat, the things we use and, and work with, the tools we have, all those different things. And back in the day, all they had was to get things from one place to another, we had just horses 
and people yeah. you and then they got cars but even that you know i think we think now oh we got planes and we have all this stuff but when it comes down to it i think this is one of the things he talked about is you still there's no cheaper transport in the world than navigable waterways waterways yep. and especially rivers and and, and like you, you don't think about it, but you know, think like the Mississippi River is such a big, this is the cheapest cost, not even close, of moving product from one place to the other that are those navigable waterways. And, you know, like I said, trains are down the road and, and you know, then you think, oh, we trucks, but trucks are the some of the most expensive things. Right. They can, you know, the most expensive pieces of transport per item than anything you can do. But anyway, kind of diving deep into there. But the, the interesting thing about it was the book, really helped me understand the dynamics of all the different countries. And he, he spelled out every country, you know, what they had going for them and what they didn't, you know, some had navigable waterways, some had, you know, a, the ability to grow crops. Some had, you know, you talk about like Saudi Arabia, other than oil and they got nothing. Yep. I mean, they got nothing. So they have to import like 95% of everything that they have has to be imported. And so, it, it's interesting to hear all those dynamics of all the different countries and why. And then, and once again, I don't want to ruin it for you, but there was at the end of world war two, there was a, a treaty that was made or an agreement was made with most countries in the world that um, the U S made with those countries. And it literally changed the world. And, you know, we've been blessed to have in our lifetime, probably the most secure, the most uh, peaceful, um, probably the most, uh, the rich richness of, of things and people in the history of the world, like not even close. Yep. And he talks about in the book that we may be to the end of that. Like those days are about over. Yeah. Yeah. It's this whole concept, you know, the world was dominated by imperialistic armies and, and, and empires. And on the tail end of world war two, the U S kind of flipped the script and it was Bretton Woods. And we actually said, we're not going to become imperialistic. We're not going to put, you know, colonies and, you know, base, we do bases to an extent, but not calling, we're not going to colonize the world. What we're going to do is we're going to take our Navy, which is the most powerful that the world has ever known and will likely ever know. And we're going to protect the waterways to facilitate global trade for everybody. Yeah. And that one act, if, if, and I think if you think about the U.S. and, and we, every country kind of goes through this mini form of globalization, right? In mm -hmm. terms of connecting the different aspects of the nation and creating, you know, in strong internal trade to work on external trade, you know, our ability to have this prime location with navigable waterways and the ability to connect our country, we learned about globalization and that interconnectivity as a country. Mm -hmm. And so I think we use that as a baseline for Brenton Woods to be, to start to connect the world. Right. Right. But to your point where is there's so many things that are happening in the world now with, with the BRICS countries getting away from the U S standard and, you know, Ukraine and the issues in, in the South China Sea. There's a lot of international events occurring that are serving as catalysts for what he predicts and what I, I strongly agree is is going to be the beginning of the deglobalization yeah. of of the civilized world and go back to regional or even local powers. It is and and what that's going to do to the world and how it even further benefits the U.S. because of our location. Right, um, is is wild stuff. It really, really is. I mean, thinking about how. You know, some countries literally may be in trouble from famine because they don't have enough resources to be able to buy and get and have secure transportation to bring food into the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've never known that. We've, al we've always known that every country had access to things, but we're about at the point where they won't. Yeah. And, you know, we may not be able to 
we may be able to get avocados probably because Mexico. But, um, you know, if it's something that comes from overseas in some countries, we we may not have that. Yeah, think about the countries that bookend us. Yeah, right. We we have Canada. We have all the we have all the wheat. Right. I um, mean, you know, all those natural resources, all the the shale and the tar sand fields that are up north, and then nearshore, right? In terms mm-hmm. of you know technology and being able to nearshore some of that stuff that's not as technologically advanced yep. that we're now leveraging China mm-hmm. and you know the Philippines and some other countries like that. Right. People that don't have access to that or access to protect the waterways to transport them to them, the, the goods to them, they're in a lot of trouble. And yeah. I mean, shoot, look at the the Persian Gulf and the um, the Straits of Hormuz, mm-hmm. right? All, and, and how strong piracy, even in this contemporary environment now with the US Navy, piracy dominates. And imagine taking those, those, those US cruisers out and they're not there anymore. Not a whole lot of goods are gonna make it through the Straits of Hormuz because the vast majority of countries don't even have local navies, let yeah. alone the ability to project power across the world and protect to goods. protect shipping. Yeah. It's just not going to be there anymore. Yeah. It's wild. Mm-hmm. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean again. Man. Except. From- yeah, that would have been fun, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. But I don't, I don't what know. what like, end of that deal you're on? Jack Sparrow wore, wore a lot of eyeshadow. I don't think, I think I could be a pirate, but I don't think I could be the eyeshadow was, I think that was. I think that was natural. Was it really? Oh, you were a pirate. You know, you get. You know, scurvy scurvy did, scurvy dog do you know why they call british sailors limeys can i be honest with you yeah. i didn't know they did yeah okay it's a fair point so they called them limeys because on the sea you know they have vitamin c deficiencies and, and so that creates scurvy right so what combats scurvy is vitamin c right what right. are very rich in, in vitamin c is limes, limes right and so that actually served as the basis for the gin and tonic and why the gin and tonic is considered like the drink of the British Navy is because they're the the pursers who were like the quartermasters, they yeah. issued each ship so many bottles of Navy strength rum and they'd give them lime. So they put the limes inside of, or not, not rum, but gin. gin. Gin, they thought had a lot of medicinal benefits. So they would combine the medicinal benefits of gin and the lime to combat scurvy. And that became the drink for the British Navy, for the limeys. I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? That is, that's pretty Sophie wild. knew that? You never told me that. What I, I feel like I've been yeah. sheltered, huh? Little known fact. So, so follow me for other tips and tricks so, and so weight what, loss so activities. What the, so, what are the, <laughs> so what was the U.S. Army? Um, what were they called? Uh, we were doughboys. Doughboys. Yeah, in World War II, we were doughboys because we carried so much gear. Really, that they called us doughboys. Yeah. Okay. How does that equate to dough? Because you look all big and puffy. Oh, okay. Like yeah. I do when I eat gluten. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll, we'll we'll wrap up and say uh hey this i think back up the follow-up to the book first i'll read you've got to read action superpower first yeah right you got to read that first but the, the follow-on book i just looked it up i can't remember the end of the world is just the beginning yeah that's it and it's cool because it, it he writes it actually post-invasion of ukraine like it was written in 20 2022 but he did they kind of re- rewrote it yeah, in 2022 he was finishing the book when when yeah. the came, Ukraine war started, so he backed into the book a little bit. And what's wild is he predicted the invasion or the imperialistic outreach of Russia to combat some of their yeah. internal, their their terminal demographic issues. Yeah. and so being able to look back and see the implications and and what he got right and what he got wrong as yeah. it relates to just the Ukraine war is fascinating. Pretty stuff. darn close, and and China is right behind it. So if you're you know if you're really worried about China, you're worried about Russia. Go read the book. Yeah. You'll feel better. Absolutely. But uh, hey, I enjoyed it as yeah. always. And uh, what book we're reading next? 
We have time for a book. What is it? Have you ever, it's like the book of farts. Have you ever seen that? Have I seen it or read it? Read it. It's like a, it's a kid, kid book. I'll, I'll bring it on the next you, podcast. You, you we'll read it? About. Do you read a book of farts? Yeah, it's a scratch and sniff actually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It really is a book for kids though. I'll bring it next time. That's for another podcast. Okay. Yeah. That's for another podcast. All right. Enjoyed it. All right. Looking forward to the next time.